Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come and join us at 10am every Sunday. And anyone that knows Neil, he needs space. <clears throat> yeah, just keep off the baptistry because you might go through. <laughs> Let's just pray for him, shall we? So Lord, we thank you for you, your word that you've put in Neil's heart for us today. God, I pray you just come and anoint it. You'll anoint Neil, give him freedom. God, I pray in the Holy Spirit this morning, help us to have open ears and hearts to hear what you want to say to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Real privilege to be able to preach on Easter Sunday. And uh, if I get excited, don't worry, that is normal. Um, I just thought it'd be really good today um, if we listen to the whole of the Easter story. Because we tend to do it in bits. We kind of do Good Friday, and then Saturday is quiet, and then... Easter day. So I thought it'd be good for us just to listen to the whole story. So Julia's going to come and read to us. This isn't on the screen, don't worry. Julia's reading from uh, a, a version of the Bible called the Passion Version, which is slightly different from probably the version you've got. So don't, you don't have to follow it. Just, just listen to the story, if that's all right. That's on. It's on. Okay, so I'm reading, I'm starting at Luke 23, verse 32. Two criminals were led away with Jesus, and all three were to be executed together. When they came to the place that is known as the skull, the guards crucified Jesus, nailing him on the center cross between the two criminals. While they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers, after they crucified him, gambled over his clothing. A great crowd gathered to watch what was happening. The religious leaders sneered at Jesus and mocked him, saying, Look at this man. What kind of chosen Messiah is this? He pretended to save others, but he can't even save himself. The soldiers joined in the mockery by offering Jesus a drink of vinegar. Over Jesus' head on the cross was written an inscription in Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. This man is the king of all the Jews. And all the soldiers laughed and scoffed at him, saying, Hey, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? One of the criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus kept ridiculing him, saying, What kind of Messiah are you? Save yourself and save us from this death. Criminal hanging on the other cross rebuked the man, saying, Don't you fear God? You're about to die. We deserve to be condemned, for we're being paid, repaid for what we've done. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said, I beg of you, my Lord Jesus, show me grace and take me with you into your everlasting kingdom. And Jesus responded, I promise you, this very day you will enter paradise with me. It was now only midday, yet the whole world became dark for three hours as the light of the sun faded. And suddenly in the temple, the thick veil hanging in the holy place was ripped in two. Then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, I surrender my spirit into your hands. And he took his last breath and died. When the Roman captain overseeing the crucifixion witnessed all that took place, he was awestruck and glorified God. 
Acknowledging what they had done, he said, I have no doubt we have just killed the righteous one. The crowds that had gathered to observe this spectacle went back to their homes overcome with deep sorrow and devastated by what they had witnessed. But standing off at a distance were some who truly knew Jesus, and the women who had followed him all the way from Galilee were keeping vigil. There was also a member of the Jewish council named Joseph from the village of Ramah, a good-hearted, honourable man who was eager for the appearing of God's kingdom. He had strongly disagreed with the decision of the council to crucify Jesus, and he came before Pilate and asked permission to take the body of Jesus and give him a proper burial, and Pilate granted his request. So he took the body from the cross and wrapped it in a, a sheet of linen and placed it in a new, unused tomb chiseled out of solid rock. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was fast approaching. The women who had been companions of Jesus from the beginning saw all this take place and watched as the body was laid in the tomb. Afterwards, they returned home and prepared fragrant spices and ointments and were planning to anoint his body after the Sabbath was completed, according to the commandments of the law. Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, Jesus' mother. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there, stunned and perplexed. And suddenly two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces. The men in white said to them, Why would you look for the one, the living one, in a tomb? He's not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The Son of Man is destined to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day he will rise again. All at once they remembered these words, and leaving the tomb they went to break the news to the eleven and to all the others of what they had seen and heard. And when the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense, and they were unable to believe what they'd heard. But Peter jumped up and ran the entire distance to the tomb to see for himself. Stooping down, he looked inside and discovered it was empty. There was only the linen sheet lying there. Staggered by this, he walked away, wondering what it meant. Powerful, isn't it? When you hear it all together, my favourite verse in the Bible, one of my favourite verses in the Bible is, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. That's what today is all about. So, I just felt, uh, when I knew I was going to be speaking today, um, why did Jesus have to die? It's a question that sometimes people ask, you know, you Christians, it's all about blood and crucifixion and what's that all about? Creator God, couldn't he come up with a better way of you becoming a Christian than Jesus having to go to the cross and die on the cross? What is that all about? 
And that's what I want to try and talk about today. Why did Jesus have to go to the cross and be crucified? The problem starts in the Garden of Eden, (laughs) as it always does, when sin comes into the world, because sin separates us from God. When Adam and Eve ate the apple and sinned and broke God's commandment, it says in uh, Genesis that they were expelled from the garden. They were separated from God. And sin always separates us from God because he is a holy God. He cannot abide sin. And we are all sinners. We all have Adam's DNA in our Bodies. When we're born, we're not born neutral, we are born sinners. You may not like it, you may not agree with it, but that is what the fact is. We're born sinners. And the problem we've got is that the punishment for sin is death. There has to be the shedding of blood to give a sacrifice to God. So in the Old Testament, the whole system of the Jewish culture was that the high priest would take an animal, would sacrifice that animal, the blood would be shed, and that was a symbol of the shedding of blood for the people's sins. The problem is that we need righteousness, we need to be right with God, but we're not righteous. We're sinners. If you're a parent you will know that you don't teach your children to be naughty. They are naughty by nature. I could give you lots of stories. (laughs) If Alice was here, I probably would. But you don't teach them to be naughty, they just are naughty. We, when we lived down the south, we went into the dining room and there was red crayon all over the wall. And Estelle and Alice were standing there. And I said, who did this? And they both pointed at each other. The only problem was Alice had a red crayon in her right hand. (laughs) But you don't teach your children to be naughty. They are naughty by nature. We are sinful by nature. You can try and walk out of here today and say, right, I am not going to sin anymore. I am going to be holy from today probably last until this evening, if you're lucky. We can't do it ourselves. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Romans 3, verse 23, for everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. That is our position. One of the other versions, Romans 3.23, says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It's quite inclusive, all. That's all of us. We're all in the same boat. So is that it? Well, Romans 3, verse 24, just after it says, for everyone has sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glory, says this, yet God... In his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty 
for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And that's what the Easter story is all about. God has what we need and don't deserve, which is righteousness. And we have what God hates and separates us from God, which is sin. So what's the answer to the problem? Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. You see, the point is this. I said earlier on, we all have Adam's DNA in us. Why doesn't Jesus have Adam's DNA in him? Because he was born through the Holy Spirit into Mary's womb and not by another man. So the Adam DNA of sin does not come into Jesus because he is born of the Holy Spirit. Read it in Matthew. The Holy Spirit comes to Mary and she conceives and had a baby and he is the perfect man because he doesn't have the sin DNA. He is the perfect Lamb of God. When John sees him, what's the first thing he says? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew immediately in the Holy Spirit that this was the saviour of the world. Hallelujah. Don't ever let anyone tell you that the virgin birth is not important. It is absolutely important. Because without it, Jesus just becomes like you and me. Born a sinner, always a sinner. But he was born of the Holy Spirit. The perfect Lamb of God. The perfect sacrifice for our sins. Hallelujah. Romans 5 says this, Adam's one sin, which we've spoken about, brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one man disobeyed God, many became sinners. That's us. But because one other person, Jesus, obeyed God, many, that's us, will be made righteous. You see, one man, Adam, sins, many are made unrighteous. That's us. Unrighteous. Jesus comes and dies. And many of us are made right. Hallelujah. That's what Easter story is all about. Who was the offering? Jesus Christ. Who took our sin? Jesus Christ. Who is made right with God? Us. Jesus takes. This is the great exchange that happens at the cross. God lays our sins on Jesus and punishes them in Jesus and fulfills his righteousness and credits it to us. 
You become right not because of what you have done, you become right because of what Jesus did. It's so important for us to understand. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we can be made righteous with God through Christ. To redeem means to buy something back. Jesus died on the cross for the primary purpose of dealing with our sin and paying the price that we would never have been able to afford. Never. You can be the nicest person in the world. You can pay all your taxes. You can help old ladies across the road. You can do all that stuff. It's not enough. The only way to come to Jesus, to come to God, is through Jesus Christ. 1 John 2 verse 2 says this. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, propitiation is a really old-fashioned word. It's one of my favourite words in the Bible. What does it mean? He is the propitiation for our sins. What it means is this, turning God's wrath, which we deserved, into love through sacrifice. What a word. What a word. Turning God's wrath, which we deserved, into love through sacrifice. That is the gospel. Turning God's love, God's wrath, into love through sacrifice. That's what Jesus did. He is the propitiation for our sins. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus did for us. The cost of our redemption was the blood of the perfect Son of God. And he made this sacrifice in our place. Because the Father accepted Christ's payment, we have been set free from our bondage to sin. Only with the substitutionary death of the perfect Son of God does the Father have a legitimate basis by which he can forgive sin for whoever comes to him in faith. God's wrath had to be satisfied and it was satisfied in Jesus once and for all. There is nothing we can do to earn our forgiveness or salvation. Nothing. If we think there is, then actually the sacrifice of Jesus is less than it should be. If you think you can work your way to heaven, then what's the point of Jesus going to the cross? He might as well not have bothered because you can do it yourself. You can't do it yourself. The only way is that Jesus died and makes a way for you to come. This is how it works. Our total sin is on Christ's account. He then pays that in full by his blood and his death. And his righteousness comes to us. It's credited to our account. The slate is clean. Have you got the slide there? One sec. 
We'll get there. Right, it's really hard to see, unfortunately. We've used this before, but it's just, if you can see it, sin, paid, shame, paid, regret, paid, past mistakes, paid, unforgiveness, paid, hurt, paid, anger, paid. Everything is paid through Jesus. I love that. Salvation. Jesus paid it all. When Jesus is on the cross, and Julia read it earlier, Jesus cries, it is finished. The Greek word is teleo, T-E-L-E-O. And it means something has been perfectly completed. This was not a cry of defeat, but of victory. Jesus had completed the task to secure man's salvation and restore our relationship with God. The agony of the Garden of Gethsemane was over. Phil spoke about that last Sunday. The battle for the cross was won in Gethsemane, where Jesus said, not my will, but yours. He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to go to the cross and be crucified. The agony of the garden was over. The debt had been paid. When the debt was settled fully, the creditor would write teleo across the invoice to show it had been paid in full. If ever the debtor was accused of still owing the money, he could show the note as proof of payment. Listen, when the enemy comes to you and says, you owe you're not good enough. Your sin is too big. Who do you think you are? You show him. Teleo. It is paid once and for all. Show him Jesus' hands and feet and remind him the blood of Jesus has paid your debt in full. Hallelujah. Now when God looks at us, he sees is Christ's perfection. He doesn't see your imperfections. We're no longer guilty, but are declared legally righteous. Even if we still sin, because Jesus paid for our past sin, our present sin, and our future sin. You're going to sin tomorrow. I'm going to sin tomorrow. Jesus has it covered. He has your past sins covered. We take longer to get over it than Jesus does. We hold on to things that have happened in our past. I did this and it was so wrong. I did that and it was so wrong. Jesus says, hold on a minute. I'm not condemning you for those. I've forgiven them. I forgive you for your sin today. I forgive you for your sin tomorrow. The blood of Jesus is big enough for all our sin. We need to receive this by faith and understand that it's all because of Jesus, and all by his grace and his love. He received what he didn't deserve. He didn't deserve to go to the cross and be crucified, because he was perfect. He was sinless. The cross, the thief on the cross, next to Jesus, said the right thing. He said, we deserve to be here. 
But that man doesn't. He hasn't done anything wrong. But we have. And in that moment, he was able to be saved by grace. The first sinner to be saved by grace is the thief on the cross. Hallelujah. Imagine when he goes to heaven. What are you doing here? Well, Jesus just said I'd be with him in paradise. We hadn't died yet. Hallelujah. The first one saved by grace. And here we are this morning, saved by grace. Not saved by works, not saved by how good you are, not saved by your theology degree or whatever else it is, not saved by any of that stuff. You're saved by Jesus dying for you by his grace. Hallelujah. Now, a few months ago, I used this picture from a TV programme that uh, we watch at home called the Yorkshire Farm. And uh, I said to Hannah, I can't use that picture because I used it a few months ago. And she said, no, 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 you can use it. So, Hannah, I have Hannah's permission. So, we were watching this uh, programme called the Yorkshire Farm. I don't know if you've seen it. It's about this crazy family. We have nine kids. Yes, nine. And one day, they're on the farm and the father is there and a lamb has died. And what he does is he skins the lamb in front of the kids who are like three and four years old. And it was a bit gory to watch, to be honest. And I'm thinking, these kids are three and four years old. What's going on? So he skins this lamb and he says, well, this lamb's died. I'm going to take the skin off. And I have a lamb in there who has no mother. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the skin of this lamb and I'm going to put it on this other lamb and tie it on so that the mother will accept it because it smells the same as her baby lamb. So I'm thinking, wow, it's pretty amazing if it works. Anyway, he does this. He pops the lamb in with the nourish. She comes over, she sniffs the lamb and she accepts the lamb and the lamb can feed from her. So it's like a, an adoption almost. in a very poor way. That is what Jesus has done for us. The lamb has died. But he gives you a robe of righteousness. He gives you a new coat. And when you go to Father God, Father God won't sniff you, but he will look at you and he will say, what do I see? Do I see all Neil's sin? Do I see all Neil's mistakes? No. What I see is that Neil is hid with Christ. That he has a robe of righteousness. And that is what God sees. In The Chosen, in one of the episodes, there is a guy that takes a lamb to the temple to be slaughtered, and the lamb has a limp. And he takes it, and he tries to kind of hide the fact this lamb has got a limp. But the guy that is at the gate realises, and he rejects the lamb. He says, you cannot bring that lamb in here. You need to bring the best you've got, not the worst. 
Anyway, long story short, he goes away and uh, he's actually a shepherd on the fields before the Christmas story and he gets healed and also this lamb gets healed and he eventually brings it back and it is acceptable. Jesus is acceptable to God. His sacrifice is enough. It is all you need. You're acceptable to God because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because of anything you have done. I love this quote, I just read it this week. The wonderful news of the gospel is that Jesus frees us from trying to impress God or others because he has impressed God on your behalf. I like that. The wonderful news of the gospel is that Jesus frees us from trying to impress God or others because he has impressed God on your behalf. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sets us free. So to finish with scripture, Colossians 1 says this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's your position in Christ. You stand before God without a single fault. Write it on your fridge. It's important. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What will the enemy tell you? You're condemned. You're useless. You're not good enough. You have to come against the enemy with the truth of the Bible. That's what Jesus did. Get quotes you can throw at him. Hold on a minute. I stand blameless before God without a single fault. Why do I know that? Because Colossians chapter 1 says it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. You're in Christ Jesus this morning. Yes? Oh, it's hard work. (laughs) really is. Are we in Christ Jesus this morning? Right, hallelujah. So you stand before him without a single fault. Because of anything you've done? No, because of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. It's Easter Day, and in our reading earlier, when they go to the grave, an angel of the Lord meets them and says, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. It is finished, Jesus cried. He not only died and took all our sin as a sacrifice, but he was raised from the dead by God's power 
and lives today. And the promise is for us as well. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Hallelujah. What a saviour. What a saviour we have. Let's just pray. Can we have the worship team back up? Finish with a song. Thank you, Jesus. You're an amazing saviour. Thank you, Lord, that you went to the cross for our sin, all of us. In that moment, you were separated from God the Father and the Holy Spirit. We sang in that song. You lay in the grave alone and quiet. But come Sunday morning, you rose again. And we give you all the glory, Jesus, because all the glory is due to you. We honour you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.